Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. For those of you who follow the lectionary, we're in year A, which is Matthew, and it's not always one of my favorites, but that's a sidebar. I started planning this sermon long before I knew it was lectionary, and uh, I was surprised when I got to this Sunday that I planned to preach, and it was the lectionary passage for the week. So listen now for a word from God. Then Jesus asked, but who do you say I am? Simon spoke up. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus told him, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed. You didn't discover this on your own. It was shown to you by my Father in heaven. So I will call you Peter, which means a rock. On this rock I will build my church, and death itself will not have any power over it. Once upon a time, in a land far across the ocean, in a time that we'll simply call a really long time ago, there lived a man named Jonah who had two sons, Andrew and Simon. They lived near the Sea of Galilee. Now there was nothing special about either one of the sons except that they were great fishermen and understood the water in a way that many never ever grasp. It was the trade of their father. He had taught them. And between the two of those brothers, they knew just about everything there was to know about fishing, or that's what they said anyway. It was their livelihood. One day, Simon and Andrew were at their usual fishing hole, throwing out nets and pulling in fish to sell in the market, when suddenly, a stranger stopped on the beach and watched them. Well, he was a stranger to Simon. It seemed that Andrew had seen him before at one of John the Baptist's revivals. Andrew introduced the man simply as Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. They stood talking, and all the while, Simon was sizing up Jesus. There was something about this man, something special. Just being in his presence somehow made Simon want to be a better man. As fishermen often do, they stood around talking and sharing fish tales. And when they were finished, Jesus looked into their eyes and said this, Come and follow me. I will make you fishers of people. Now that was the day Simon's life turned upside down. He had no clue what that meant, but without rhyme or reason, Simon looked at Andrew and they shrugged their shoulders. They didn't stop to think about what if or who will take care of our family or what's mom and daddy going to say. They just threw those nets down and took off down the beach, falling on blind faith after something that perhaps they had been looking for for their whole life. 
It wasn't long till this man named Jesus had a whole tra tribe of ragtag people following him around. There were 12 that Jesus simply called the disciples, men who had left everything they had to just follow. They became a close-knit group, and everywhere Jesus went, those 12 followed him like a bunch of chicks following their mama hen. Simon stuck to Jesus like bread on butter, and he saw things he had never seen before, things most people had no words for. They mainly simply called them miracles. Simon watched Jesus heal people, really sick people, people who had tried all kinds of things, but they never seemed to get better. That is, until they were touched by Jesus. Simon was most interested in how he saw Jesus treating people. Every person Jesus met, it was like he was meeting the most important person on the face of the earth. Men and women and children and even those folks nobody else wanted to meet. You know, homeless people and tax collectors and even Samaritan women. It amazed him how Jesus knew how to love and how to change lives simply by meeting people. Sometimes Jesus would travel back with Andrew and Simon to their homes and once Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a high fever. They all thought she was going to die. But Jesus happened to be there. He simply put his hand on her, and the fever started to drop. Nobody understood how it worked, but they were glad it did. Sometimes Jesus um, and the twelve would stop along the way to fish. One night they were fishing and they caught nothing. As they finished their night, Jesus yelled from the beach, throw them out to the other side. Simon rolled his eyes. You know, he knew everything there was to know about fishing, but he saw everybody else throwing those nets over to the other side. And before they could even blink an eye, it happened. They caught so many fish, they actually thought the boat was going to sink. Seemed like Jesus knew some fishing secrets that even Simon and Andrew hadn't heard. As they traveled, Simon learned to trust Jesus. And the more time he spent with him, the more he wanted to live and love in the way he saw Jesus doing. Now, he didn't understand any of it. But he was learning to trust that he didn't have to understand everything. Because he felt love in places that he didn't know could be felt. And old pains that nobody even knew about it were starting to fade away. Something was changing inside Simon. One day, Jesus gathered the 12 together and told them to go out and share the message of love that he had taught them. Now they were real nervous. But they tried to do the best they could, but they were not as good as Jesus. But they did the best they could to spread the messages of hope and love that were so radical for that time that the leaders of the country were starting to get nervous. It seemed the world was changing. And Simon, Simon got to be part of it. 
Now, that tw those 12 were there for Jesus, too. When his friend John the Baptist was killed, they buried him, and when Jesus returned from one of his solo trips, they had to break the news. They gathered around him and loved on him and followed him until Jesus finally said, I just need some time by myself. But while they waited for Jesus, thousands of people gathered along the banks of the sea, hoping to catch just a glimpse of him. And Simon watched as Jesus, in his time of deep grief, put everything away and met every single person on the beach. And he treated every one of them like he had known them their whole life. Stuff like that just always threw Simon and the others for a tailspin. Because even though they tried, it seems like they were always a few steps behind learning what Jesus was trying to teach them. They're a lot like us. When it got late, Simon and the game began to, hunt, began to get hungry and started trying to get Jesus to send those folks on home. But once again, Jesus did what was least expected. He took two little fish and five loaves of bread, and he fed everyone there with leftovers to, to spare. That blew Simon away. He wondered where that power came from, but at the same time, he intuitively knew that Jesus was channeling power from a place he didn't quite know how to reach yet. But he sure did want to. He sure did want to. One day, Jesus actually asked them who he was. And Simon said, you are the one who leads us. You're the son of the living God. Now, Jesus had never told him that. So he knew that the Spirit had whispered it in, in, in Simon's ear. And just like that, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. You are Peter, the rock on which the church will be built. None of them knew what he was talking about. Andrew joked that Jesus gave Simon that name because Peter was as stubborn as a rock, and that was true. Peter was stubborn and eager and maybe full of himself all the time, but he loved Jesus, and he wanted more than anything to be just like him. One night, shortly after Peter got his new name, he and the rest of the disciples, they went out fishing. They did a lot of fishing back then. And one of the biggest storms they'd ever seen rolled on up. Now those disciples hunkered down trying to stay inside as the waves rocked them and the water splashed over them. They were so afraid, really afraid. Most of them knew the deadly place the sea could be. And none of them were ready for the adventure to be over just yet. While they were hunkered down, a ghost-like figure walked toward them on top of the water. Now that really freaked them out. <laughs> but Peter noticed that it was Jesus. Jesus coming to rescue them like he had rescued so many others. And he yelled to them, don't be afraid. It's all going to be okay, guys. Don't be afraid. And you know Peter was the eager one in the group. Before he knew it, he'd done jumped out of the boat trying to walk on water, and he did just fine until he looked down and got scared. But he didn't sink. Neither did we. 
Jesus reaches down and pulls us up, just like he did Peter in that boat. And all of a sudden, the wave stopped. Boy, did Andrew tease him after that. He said, Jesus sure got your name right, because you sunk in that water just like a big old rock. <laughs> Seemed they all loved Peter. And teasing him along the way became a way for them to make the time pass. One day, Peter, James, and John climbed a mountain with Jesus where he experienced something that people now call the transfiguration. He had light shining all about him. And let me tell you, it scared the bejesus out of the trio. And once Jesus again said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Seems that's what he was always having to tell them. Don't be afraid. But their truth was... They were afraid. The leaders of the government weren't happy about how Jesus was breaking down barriers and raising folks from the margins. Peter knew that people were conniving on how to put an end to Jesus for good. When Moses and Elias came to Jesus in a vision, people Peter got all excited because he thought the kingdom was done finished. He was going to build some houses right there on the mountain started drawing them up. But Jesus said, Peter, the work's not done yet. A while later, Jesus sent two disciples into town to get a donkey, and they headed into the city in preparation for the Passover feast. Jesus went riding into town on a donkey with Peter and the gang following. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. People were throwing things on the ground and saying, Hosanna! Like Jesus was a king or something. You see, they knew there was a parade on the other side of town. And they knew that the rulers would not be happy when they heard about this. Sure enough, a bunch of bad things followed that parade. But first, they gathered to eat. As they gathered around, Peter tried to sit close to Jesus. He just felt it in his bones that something was about to happen. When they were preparing to eat, Jesus whispered, whoever dips their hand in this water will betray me. Peter saw Judah slip and touch the water next. It broke his heart. You see, Judas was their money keeper and there was nothing that Judas loved more than money. Jesus did something else that was a little strange that night. He stayed with Peter for a long, long time. He took bread from the table and blessed it and broke it and then passed it around for all of them to eat. He said something like, when you eat this bread, remember me. And then he took a cup and passed it around and he tried to explain to him that his time was coming to an end. None of them wanted to believe it. Jesus then said, one of you is going to deny having never, ever known me. Peter, being the eager one, said, well, it won't be me, Jesus. You know I love you too much. I wouldn't do that. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, 
before the rooster crows three times, it'll be you. They snuck out and went to a garden to pray, but Peter and the boys were too sleepy after that meal, and they couldn't keep their eyes open. So they slept while Jesus prayed. Little later in that garden, Judas showed up with a soldier to arrest Jesus. Well, Peter jumped up out of his sleep and attacked that soldier with a sword. But he must have been pretty sleepy because he missed the target and just whacked an ear off. See, Jesus shook his head, reached down, took the ear, and put it back on. Peter, Peter. Later that night, Jesus was taken. And those disciples, they scattered because they were afraid. People kept asking Peter if he knew that man named Jesus. No, I don't know him. Rooster crowed. Mm-mm, Jesus, I never have met that man. Don't know him. Crowed again. I do not know him. And the third time, the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered what Jesus had said. And he was filled with shame and guilt. And he was devastated that he did what he told Jesus he wouldn't do. As Jesus was crucified, the disciples were devastated and they hid. They heard his body had been stolen and Peter ran back to sea and then he went back to Andrew and said, let's just go fishing. Let's go on home and go fishing. And they headed back. That, however, was not how Peter's story ended. For once you've been changed by love, you can't forget it. Jesus came back resurrected, visited them again, and touched those disciples. And the next thing, Peter had a call, and he went on to be one of the greatest evangelists in the world has ever known. He was there at Pentecost when they thought everybody was drunk. And he was the one who explained to them that it was that Holy Spirit they were drunk on, not that wine. He traveled to places and took the gospel to people that had never, ever heard it before. And he started churches all over the place. Little groups of people like us all over the place, learning how to love and live like Jesus. The world was changed. It was changed then and it continues to change now because of plain old ordinary people whose lives are radically changed by Christ's love. I figure if a plain old ordinary fisherman can go on epic adventures like that, imagine what might happen if every one of us in the room, this room spent a little time with Jesus and let that love change us like that. Peter messed up, but he came to understand God's grace, and he got up. He denied knowing Jesus, but came to understand that there was nothing, absolutely nothing, that would change the way God felt about him. The same is for us. 
I suspect Peter would tell us today, it wasn't always easy, but it was worth it. And then he'd tell us, if Jesus asks you to follow, you better drop whatever you're doing and just do that. Follow. Follow Jesus. May all of us in this room be willing to follow and experience the epic adventures of life with Jesus. There ain't no telling what might happen at Don Antle Drive if we do. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.